Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself and at Ovnio for Julio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Now, time for the podcast. Hello and welcome back to the new and improved Contrarians. We all sorts of happenings going on here. So um, much has happened since last time we recorded, Alex. It's very true. You I, cut your hair. I shaved my head. I left a piece of my life in New Orleans that I'll never get back. Roman Reigns did not win. Uh, Asuka did not win. And Nakamura did not win. So the three predictions I made on here were all incorrect. Did you lose a lot of money? Uh, just a piece of my soul. But <laughs> uh. Well, you know, they say you just like you, you let it go. And if your soul really loves you, it's going to come back It'll to you. Come back to you. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yes, of course, as always, this is The Contrarians. You know the drill. We're right, you're wrong. My name is Alex, joined here by Julio. Julio, why don't you give us the rigmarole? What changes? What's new? What is new in The Contrarians? Okay, so faithful listeners probably have noticed by now, because it happened, obviously, before this episode came out. Uh, we have a new logo. We do. Courtesy of Hans Rodgieser from uh, the Nacion Combi podcast. So all of you Spanish speakers that listen to us, <laughs> check them out and... Uh, if you love our logo, which you probably do. Uh, just, I do. I do, too. Well, you know, like, we've been playing with an idea of mm. that's similar to what the logo is right now. And then I, I sent it to Hans, and he was like, okay, that's cute, but how about this? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he made it look really good. Yeah. So uh, so that's that's change number one. Change... And this one, we don't potentially infringe on any copyrights. Or I don't anything. think so. Yeah. That, I mean, you can clearly see that's a tomato, mm. but... That is our tomato. It's nobody yeah. else's tomato. Exactly. They can't claim. Uh, We're not blatantly stealing the Contrarian logo any longer. <laughs> oh, no. Or excuse me, uh, uh, criterion. criterion. Well, my main concern now would have been uh, like branding there. What if like Run Tomatoes was like that's our tomato? No way. This tomato looks. Well, then we can start an underground revolt and movement against it. <laughs> yes, uh, but also on the heels of uh, of a new logo, we did what we always said we were going to do once we got our shit together. Uh, so we have uh, a, an official Twitter account. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can still tweet at Alex and I mm-hmm. personally. That's fine. But some people don't want to deal with me trying to be funny outside of movies <laughs> and your wrestling shit. Yeah. So they can just go straight to at uh, Contrarian Prime. Uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> the Contrarians was taken and We Are the Contrarians was too long. So Contrarian Prime seemed, seemed good enough. That works. Yeah. Um, and- yeah, I changed my handle to Contrarian Alex. So. Yes, I oh. was I was touched when yes. that happened. I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then also we have a Facebook page now. That's the official Facebook page for the Contrarians. Also, I want to say Facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. Excellent. Same reasons, and then, you know that way you only have to remember we're the Contrarians and Contrarian Prime, and that will lead you one way or another mm-hmm. to where we are. Uh, are we going to link those to our main website? Yes. Okay. Uh, we are the contrarians.com, as always, main website. And uh, if you don't have Facebook or Twitter for whatever reason, you can still reach us at we are the contrarians at gmail.com. Right. Correct? Yeah. Okay. If you have something to say also that's longer than 140 characters, more, 280 now. 
Do we all have 280? Do you not have 280? I don't know. I probably do. I just try to keep my thoughts I was, I, I precise mean, and as curse-filled as possible. I don't know that this is like any sort of brag, like humble or not, but I felt like I was one of the first people to get the 280, <laughs> which means that there was no criteria. <laughs> just like gave that out randomly. Uh it hit Peru before it hit the good old U.S. of A. <laughs> I have not listed as Peruvian on Twitter. so The government knows. Oh, yeah. There they you know. go. The they're, Twitter knows. They're trying to maybe like just – it was a trap. Let's see. How much trouble he, can he get in with 280 characters? Can we deport him now? <laughs> I'm too smart for you. But with that said, we kind of fell behind on schedule here between traveling and just, you know, things in general. Uh, we are revamped in here again new, and we are going to try to stick to our – uh, episode being dropped at the middle and end of each month. Uh, we just kind of got a little backed up here, but we are here today to complete our two-part bridge, our filler, our Kevin Smith. Don't call it filler. Okay, our... the guy just liked one of our tweets. On, That's uh, very true. On he, he did like one of our tweets, and you know we should tag him when we post it, also, just to see. You never know. I, I let's wait and see what we say. I, I'm I still resentful know. we never tagged Tom Everett Scott in our that thing you do episode. I did. Oh, did you? I did. No, we didn't tag uh, the one guy who never went on to do anything else. Jonathan Sheck. Yes. I follow him on Twitter. Um, he went on to be on Twitter. Actually, he plays Jonah Hex on uh, the Legends of Tomorrow. God bless. But, okay, so our bridge. Because Kevin yes. Smith is connected. Our Kevin Smith bridge. Yes. Uh, part two here. Uh, what numerical episode is this? 52? Luckily, I can just look that up on my phone. Uh, but... No, we're closer than than that. Hang on. Hold on. I'll do this in my brain. What was 50? 57, my friend. Good God almighty. 56 was catch and release. Then we had the Band of the Moon bonus, and now we're at 57. My God. My God. Yep. Okay, episode 57. Again, we've already advertised this. It's Chasing Amy uh, from 1997, uh, the third film uh, that uh, Kevin Smith put under his belt. Uh, with little fanfare, as you said, Mallrats was kind of a big bomb, uh, and so he was still kind of a little hot and cold ski here. He was, he was licking his wounds. Yes. Um, what was your motivation for choosing this one? Chasing Amy? Well, Chasing Amy is it his highest rated? Highest rated? Uh, I want to say yes. It's a eighty nine percent right now, and that's eighty eight. Eighty eight up to up to the second results here. Okay, well, it was 89 yesterday and today some asshole was like, oh, no, we're going to nugget them one more peg. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we'll get more into it in, in real talk. But, yeah, definitely, uh, if not his highest rated, uh, definitely one of the most high rated. And I think the most beloved out of his movies mm -hmm. probably, uh, if you do like a quick poll online, yeah. everybody, regardless of how they feel about Kevin Smith, probably Chasing Amy is their favorite movie of his. For, yeah, the better part of the last 15 years since I've really became, really got into movies, rather. Uh, it's always been the one people cite of when I say I don't really care too much for Kevin Smith movies here and there. They always, oh, watch Chasing Amy. That's That was me. It was you, <laughs> and this is my first time watching it. Julio came prepared. He rolled out the red carpet. We watched the Contrarian. Uh, I keep saying fucking Contrarian. The Criterion copy of uh, Chasing Amy. It was our logo for so long that now in your it mind was. it's just I associate the two, yeah. which I'm sure the Criterions would be thrilled to hear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there is uh, – actually, this is an embarrassingly late uh, birthday present from me to Alex. I got him the – I was so determined to get him to watch Chasing Amy that I got it as a birthday present to him, Criterion edition. And then I kept forgetting to bring it. 
<laughs> so now it's been eleven cold. years later, eleven months later. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're we're here. So yes, we have had a, a recent surge of new listeners, which is awesome. And if this is your first time listening to it, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, we really appreciate the listen. That summer of Travolta thing is just like it really it's taking it, on a life of its own. Yeah. And uh, also, I've noticed when we do uh, movies related to comic book movies, especially niche ones, there'll be a, a influx of listens. Well, this is about comic book creators. So. Well, uh, I was thinking like Tank Girl. We usually get some new eyes around the time we do any type of Oh, yeah. Comic we'll book talk movie. about like I have some Tank Girl feedback that I was not expecting. <laughs> that movie awesome. is beloved by more people than I thought. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes. So we're about to dive into the first part of the show. Mm hmm. And by the way, this is the longest intro we've ever had, yeah. I think, ever. But uh, yeah, Contrarian's Corner, hashtag CC, that's the first half of the show. This is where we argue against the Run Tomatoes score, regardless of how we actually feel about the movie. Again, the mission statement of this podcast is to prove that art is subjective. And we do that by, um, what was our original slogan? We love what you hate and hate what you love. Yes. So, yeah, we take a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that be it a high or or a fresh or rotten, excuse me, and then make a case for why it shouldn't be that way. And then, as we'll get into a bit further, we do have the second portion of the podcast. Yeah, if you want to know how we really feel about the movie, stick around for the second half. Hashtag real talk. Mm -hmm. And that's where you'll learn our our true uh, taste. So, yes, the first portion here, the first half, Contrarian's Corner. As always, I tried to just jump right in. I got too excited with this movie. Uh, so much to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, but Julio always kicks us off with corresponding reviews that are seen on the Rotten Tomatoes page of whatever movie we're doing. Yes. So this one is a fresh movie. According to Rotten Tomatoes, that means that we're going to start with uh, positive quotes. For negative quotes, just wait for real talk. And we start with Dan Webster from Spokesman Review, Washington, who says, Slowly, like a latent teen pulled against his will into adulthood, Kevin Smith is growing up. But he's not growing up quietly. All right. It's a flair for the dramatic. Uh, oh, man, this one's even more dramatic. Bill Gibron from Pop Matters says, Like a raw nerve tweaked over and over again by emotions, both radiant and revealing, Chasing Amy is as close to a masterpiece as Smith has ever created. Uh, <laughs> Owen Gleberman from Entertainment Weekly. Smith isn't just fooling around anymore. All these people just floored by <laughs> a movie about a guy dating a lesbian <laughs> like what's going on in the world uh jeffrey overstreet from looking closer an important movie about young people lost in the gen x labyrinth who are giving it a try and risking their hearts to find some kind of answer uh peter travers from rolling stone says hey. yeah that's one of our guys yeah it's a rude blast of gleeful provocation a farce about emotional pain a drama about sexual slapstick and finally, James Rochi from Netflix. What? <laughs> well, this I guess is on this, Netflix. This, 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 yeah, I guess this is like a recent addition to the RT. Uh, he says... <laughs> no, it's spelled with the uh, CKS. It's not Netflix. <laughs> oh, gotcha. This was the original publication. Uh, the oldest newspaper in America, Netflix. <laughs> uh James Rochi says, Indie God Kevin Smith's Finest Hour gets the Criterion Treatment. Literally. Literally. I mean, he spelled Criterion with a capital C. 
Indie God, eh? Indie God. James Rochi, you know, I've the only reason I recognize the name is because I actually got into a Twitter argument with him once. Oh, really? I did, which is so weird that he would even... I mean, he's like... I know he's a known critic, and so the fact that he replied to me, basically... I was, I was kind of trolling him, mm-hmm. and he replied, and my first thought was, don't you have anything better to do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm nobody. Why are you answering me? Uh, what was it over? Uh, the Veronica Mars crowdsourcing, you know, when... The, Kickstarter basically mm-hmm. financed the the Veronica Mars movie, and he had his panties in a bunch about yeah. it. It was like, this is wrong. The movie industry is going to hell. This is in. It was all fun and games until Zach Braff had a, a crowdfunded <laughs> movie. I had to ruin it for everybody. As, yeah. That, that Contrarians movie you're not getting, you can thank Zach Braff <laughs> for it. There's many people you can thank for that. Uh, okay, down to the meat and potatoes here. Chasing Amy. Main character, Holden, Ben Affleck. Best friend, Banky, Jason Lee. They are comic book artists who have um, a satirical comic book about stoner superheroes. It's it's a ripoff of Batman and Robin, but with Jay and Silent Bob in costumes instead of, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne and, <laughs> yeah, and whichever your Robin of choice is. For them to, they don't even, they're not even stoners themselves. So right. the, their source material here is questionable at best. They're, they're very, like, literally, you couldn't think of more different authors to the to that creation. If mm-hmm. it's really that Bluntman and Chronic, the, the name of the comic book, it's about, you know, stoner superheroes. And then you have two really uptight guys. Yeah. <laughs> even, even the one that's supposed to be the wild one, it's also, he has some very... Very, uh, yeah, he gets limited. like in a fight in the first thirty seconds of the movie because someone keeps calling him a tracer. Uh, but they're lifelong friends and now comic book artists. And less than five minutes in the movie, we get an act of nepotism, and uh, Casey Affleck gets a cameo. He is a literal child in this cameo. This is obviously decades before his Oscar-winning turn as a as a man uh, stricken by grief. Here, he's just. He's just a fan. He even considerably aged between this and 200 Cigarettes, one of our previous uh, episodes. Oh, that's right. That's that's a later movie. Wait, what? So wait, Affleck in 200 Cigarettes is Affleck after Chasing Amy? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Why is that? Because he kind of looks like an adult in this one. and in, in The goatee, man. The goatee The goatee and the sweaters. Well, I mean, to be fair, I was... He seems... I wrote here, Affleck in transition. Transitional Affleck. Because he doesn't, he doesn't really look like an adult. He just looks... He doesn't look like a child anymore. No. Right? And I think, I guess the goatee is doing something. It's just delineating his face in a he way. He pulled that... it all together three years later with the uh, Reindeer Games. But, I mean, I know we mentioned in the 200 Cigarettes episode, that the physical changes that he goes through. And mm-hmm. it's not like he gained weight or lost weight or something. It's just like there's something in his face, like a loss of innocence or something that just goes through. And He's seen some shit, man. Right. but Or he's a better actor than I give him credit for because here, to me, you know, it looks like... He has sadder eyes than than the guy in Two Hundred Cigarettes, mm-hmm. but apparently he was able to shed that in, in order to get into that movie. So his character's motivations in both movies are the same: get laid, get laid, even like going further and like, get into a three way. <laughs> <laughs> they crash a panel for uh, Hooper X, played by Dwight Elwin, uh, Ewell, excuse me, who we quickly find out is one of their friends around the city who is a very militant uh, black man, but it's all a facade just to sell his comics. He's actually a very uh, laid-back, easygoing uh, gay man. Super gay man. Mm-hmm. He's, But it's also... 
I, I just, I mean, I don't want to throw the word, the word problematic around, but <laughs> just there's plenty of problematic I, things about this movie. I know hashtag Black Lives Matter, you know, was not a thing back then, mm -hmm. but it was just this character and his inflammatory rhetoric. I mean, you know, he's not he's not just like a proud black man. He's a proud black man that's instigating hate against white people. Yes, and. Yes, right now we all make fun of white people that are feeling oppressed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's a line, and I think that Hooper X, he doesn't just cross it. He sprints away from it. But it also brings into question the – because that's all just an act to sell books. Right. On top of that, he's mm -hmm. just a hypocrite. Yeah. So you could argue he's the worst character in the movie. You could, but he also is the smartest character in the movie because he basically creates all these scenarios to play out be it via his writing or in the uh, friendships, he's the one that masterminds this whole thing. So, so he, he's, he's, he's the puppeteer. He's the, mo he's the smartest character. He's the Cheney to, to Affleck's Bush. I wouldn't go that far. He's, he's much smarter than Dick Cheney is. <laughs> this is where we are introduced to the muse, the flame of the film. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams, also known as not Renee Zellweger, Yes. Uh, who plays? Damn it! You stole it from me. <laughs> uh, we didn't come up with that. <laughs> she plays Alyssa Jones, who is an illustrator, or is she a uh, story writer. I didn't. Quite I think she's that. a writer. Okay, right? She seems to be in awe of uh, Affleck. There's that one moment where he's drawing and she's trying to light a cigarette, but mm -hmm. he's talking to her like he's he's mansplaining drawing to her. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but she is a friend of Hooper X's. Introduced to Banky and Holden, and immediately, at least on one side of the equation, sparks are flying between she and Holden. Yeah, I mean, you could argue, and the movie does eventually, that the sparks were flying from the very beginning between uh, Banky and, and Holden. Like Affleck and Jason Lee have. Well, the sparks had been flying for quite some time before we came in. <laughs> well, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that the chemistry between Affleck and, and Jason Lee is wasted in this movie. Because really, every time they were together, there was just that unspoken uh, sexual tension between them that's only barely addressed by the movie. And mm -hmm. I really, the entire time, it was just distracting me. I kept wanting to just, I wanted to say, okay, Kevin Smith, if you wanted to make a movie about gay people, you know, just do the movie about Holden and Banky mm -hmm. coming to terms with their feelings. Don't after, muddy it with this whole other side plot here. Right. I got a woman that's like gay and then she's not gay. And, you know, I, I this is, uh, no, we're about to get into it, but to me, this is uh, Kevin Smith's Lesbians for Dummies, mm -hmm. and I think that maybe he would have been more qualified to to write gay men for dummies. You know, <laughs> just like he's a dude, so you know, make the gay movie about the guys. Which, yeah, the there's nothing wrong with the happenstantially gay male character in a movie, like uh, Andy Samberg and I Love You Man. Like, just a dude, just gay, also. Uh, oh, it's like uh somebody in Tropic Thunder says. Man, everyone's gay once in a while. But this is where the aging comes into play in terms of maybe wasn't the best idea at the time or now. Uh, Jason Lee's character is just dropping the F-bomb like crazy. We don't mean Not fuck. the fuck bomb, no. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, a very problematic um, slur that definitely during the course of my lifetime has taken on... Uh, well, it always was something that had bad intent behind it, but definitely now is something that we're a lot more sensitive to. I think it feels like uh, Kevin Smith watched a couple of Tarantino movies, and he's like, well, he can get away with saying mm -hmm. the N-word. Yeah. 
Which, again, I don't know if anyone ever really said he got away with it. It was just, well, Tarantino's doing this. It's Tarantino. Yeah. But remember when Travolta was dancing? That was cool. <laughs> Sam Jackson is there, and he didn't kick his ass, so it must be okay. But Jason Lee is not only that, but just his overall selection of vocabulary throughout the movie is questionable at best. Well, yeah, he he's just the... the... And it's not just... Uh, he also drops some uh, very harsh terms towards lesbians as well right he's just he's a he's offending across the the board and yet you know i still think hooper x is the worst because hooper is smart uh jason lee genius right hooper x is my low-key hero in this movie (laughs) uh jason lee he's He's kind of dumb. He's just played as like, well, he doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't really get why this would be offensive and all this stuff. But it also, if you get meta, it almost feels like I would just, you know, it's the perfect trick that as a filmmaker, as a writer, director, you just, you write yourself a character that will just say the most horrible things. And then you can just say, well, that's, that's not me. That's a character. It's Kevin Smith getting a bit too full of his own shit and trying to turn like an, an archetype of a character on its head. <laughs> right. Like the the gross friend from the 80s buddy comedy that says anything, but it <laughs> has meaning now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have an arc. Yeah. After the first meeting, they go out for a few beers. The uh, chemistry between Holden and Alyssa is clearly there, uh, but she ends up taking off. They play darts. It's a pretty... Uh, innocent and minuscule interaction they have uh, leading to, I don't know if it's the next day or when it is. There's no, there's no time in this movie. There's no, it's like Vegas. There's no clocks on the walls. We don't know how much time is elapsing where we are. We know that we're somewhere in the swamps of Jersey between New Jersey and New York city. Yeah. There's like, they keep talking about the city. So Mm -hmm. the city has to be New York. Yeah. Right. And then uh, it's like, it's a fucking chorus line We're in the city. (laughs) And then they mentioned the garden state a couple of times. And then you just get flashbacks to the Zach Braff movie. Zach Braff getting name dropped (laughs) twice, (laughs) twice in like more than anyone's (laughs) name dropped Zach Braff in the last five or six years. So they go out to another club where Alyssa and Holden meet back up and Holden thinks this is it. He thinks he's sinking the deal. This is where Hooper X again becomes my favorite in the movie because he has the chance to tell him what's what. And he just, nope. That is some evil shit. Yeah, it is clear by now. I mean, he knows that that Affleck is into this girl. Mm -hmm. He also knows that this girl is a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And then he just lets it happen. Well, to be fair, to defend Hooper, uh, he tries to tell him and then Affleck gets this massive air of chutzpah about him. That is no, don't give me that. I mean, if I'm really your friend and I see you are about to just embarrass yourself so badly, I don't care what you're saying. I'll just cut you off. I mean, Hooper, we know because we've seen him perform. He can be loud. He can he can command attention. Be verbose. Yeah. So, it, But it's also – I put it in both of them. I mean, yes, Hooper for orchestrating it and then Alyssa for kind of leading him on. I mean, you can – there's this – this movie is not when Harry met Sally or you're like, oh, well, they were really friends and then it developed into something else. Or Empire Records. Or Empire Records. <laughs> no, this movie, it's very clear from the very beginning that Affleck is zeroing in on her as, as a romantic possibility. Oh, yeah. It's clear to us. It's clear to Banky. It's clear to Hooper. It has to be clear for to Alisa as well, right? But instead, she under the, the the guise of, oh, I just want to be friends with you because you're like this super interesting guy, you know, gets invited in the, to this party. And she kind of leads him on. Mm-hmm. So honestly, if you were in Affleck's 
shoes and nobody tells you that she's a lesbian and she's giving you these signs, right? Wouldn't you do the same thing? Uh, I mean, yeah, it'd, it'd definitely be out of left field. I don't know. I mean, this is the one part of the movie where I'm actually behind Affleck's character. Well, to be fair, also, Affleck's character, as far as we know, this movie's only painted two interactions they've had. So he's putting some eggs in a basket pretty prematurely. Right, but it's like you meet a girl. She says she likes your work. She she toys with you. She plays darts with you. She does play to all of his egotism. And all, right. Yeah. And, then, and then she invites you to a party. You know, it's just up till now, I'm okay with Affleck. Now, what happens next, it just, that's when he loses me. Alyssa goes up on stage and sings a song. Um, I think I read something that she chose, the actress, uh, Joey Lauren Adams, chose that song to sing. Anyway. Because the comparisons with Renee Zellweger were not enough. Yeah. <laughs> she, oh God, she should have sang Sugar High with Coyote Shivers. That would have been absolutely wonderful. It is a heavy, romantic a uh, bit of sexual thriller of a tune, and God, Ben Affleck is such a dork during this scene. It's mm. wonderful. White man dancing at, at its worst. It's like that time best. you and me went to Counting Crows. Like <laughs> that's what everyone in the crowd looked like, but, but, <laughs> except me because I'm not I'm not a white man. So that's true. You were just standing there nodding your head rhythmically. I, was, I, I got the rhythm. That's right. It may not be salsa, but I can still do it. <laughs> Uh, she wraps up her song, runs into the crowd, and starts making out with this woman who I think they said was like a just a former kind of hookup. Yeah, she's just uh, uh, just some some girl that she's fucking. Yeah, I mean, she just says it, and and that's you know the movie has this double standard a- again. It's kind of like Jason Lee getting away with saying all these horrible things, but then Kevin Smith saying like, "Well, it's just a character, guys," you know, and. Uh, I, that's not how like the movie feels about gay people, obviously. And then, you know, Alyssa being really promiscuous, and you know, but then the movie like at an angle kind of slut shames her. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, that's not you know, that's just a character slut shaming her. It's not the movie. Yeah. It's like I don't know, you can't have it I both didn't write ways. This the movie wrote it. <laughs> the movie just wrote itself. Yeah, uh, but we <laughs> do get the awesome part of Jason Lee looking around and like realizing what's happening and his. It takes him a bit long, and my God, you made the reference of uh, lesbians for dummies. They could not have played on any more stereotypes during the scene in this lesbian bar of just basically late 90s, what anyone would have thought of when they heard the phrase lesbian. Right, and that is kind of like this movie in a nutshell, too, because Affleck's reaction to to Alyssa kissing a woman is not just like, oh, she's a lesbian. That's a bummer because mm-hmm. that means I don't have a shot. It's like his world comes crashing down. Well, despite what this movie may lead you to believe, all it is, if you look past that, is he got duped and he's just – he feels – he's so embarrassed and he's uh, – he never thought he could be played or that any girl would ever want to turn him down. That's what you get, Ben Affleck. Right, but it's it's just so weird because you know if she was kissing another dude, do you think that we would we would hold on to that reaction shot of his for no. so long? It's like he's in slow motion and he's covering his face and and like the goatee that goes up and down. It's just really weird. <laughs> I was kind of bummed he didn't shave the next day. Just knew me, <laughs> so he bails right after this. Uh, I'm sorry. This leads to their long conversation, very as you mentioned, Tarantino esque dialogue filled scene that goes on and overstays its welcome uh, it's significantly like, how many stories about oral sex do you need from Kevin Smith 
yeah. via his characters. It's just Jason Lee and uh, Alyssa swapping horror stories and sex injury stories back and forth while Ben Affleck just sits there in utter dismay. Again, it's like, how old is Affleck in this movie? Because he really... Come on. I mean, how how, how long are you going to sulk about this? And it, it seems he keeps apologizing for, for his friend, but really... It's almost like he should apologize for himself. He's been mm-hmm. the drag at this party. Yeah. So after this, this night out and this long conversation, he bails and basically stops having communication with Alyssa. Uh, she shows back up or she shows up to his apartment, I should say, and calls him out on his bullshit. And just like, you know, you wanted me, but then you found out I was gay and you completely bailed. And she just wants a friendship. Which, come on. <laughs> Which she sets herself up for that situation right off the bat. She acknowledges that he was, like, smitten with her. I mean, she, she like, low-key acknowledges it. Yes, and she just wants to be a temptress. Yeah, I mean, she... she, And then again, she builds up his ego, right? Mm -hmm. Because she's like, you know, you're not like other men that I've met. That's why I want to be your friend. And I'm thinking... You know as much about Affleck as we do right now. Mm Because you met him at the same time that we did, you know, basically. And... uh, I'm not impressed. I mean, he has a a Batman ripoff comic book. That's that, that. How does that make him different from any other man? Like they didn't have any deep conversations when they were playing darts. No, where I felt that they made a connection that would. How much fucking money do they make off this comic? They have a really nice apartment. Well, but they're they're. I think it's like it doubles up as their office. And okay, so it's a multi-purpose building. I think so. All right, they probably have a couple roommates we just never see. We never go to Alyssa's apartment though. We get that one shot of her, her friends, the classic <laughs> '90s static shot of a girl talking on a phone in a uh, fucking hockey jersey. Oh, oh, and she's just walking around. Oh yeah, and then we do get the. I don't think that's at her place. The, though. the bridge club later in the movie. Uh, <laughs> the coven. <laughs> Uh, Banky has to leave to go to Boston. There's a Comic-Con there that he's going to go to and work. Initially, uh, Holden was going to go with him, but uh, Alyssa calls and says, you know, my sister's out of town. I was looking, I was hoping to hang out with you this weekend. And this leads to, surprisingly, our only montage of the film, just them getting closer. And as an audience member, you're realizing, much like Banky called ahead of time, this isn't going to go anywhere good. Yeah, there's a, this is the the... In this montage, hidden this montage is the moment where she falls for him. And I don't know if you saw it. I've seen this movie plenty of times. <laughs> when he movie. takes the child lock off the lighter and spits it out the window. Yes. Yeah. You tell it was like, this is it. He won her over. I did love how much smoking was in this movie, too. Like, outside of truly, like, rugged action movies these days, you don't see chain smoking in movies. Yeah, and here, Affleck smoking 50% of the time. Yeah, and she is too. Like meaningful smoking too. Like, yeah. with like the- Oh, dude, Kevin Smith, when he has his monologue in the film, you can tell he meticulously timed out all of those oh, yeah. inhales and exhales. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to his supporting oh, actor yeah, clip. Yeah. Uh, Lots of Oscar clips here. Much like the last Kevin Smith movie we did, like, you know, a couple of episodes ago when we did Catch and Release and we were joking that everybody got their Oscar moment. I think here it's just. Everybody, like, including Kevin Smith, they all get more than one, actually. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll hit them all. I have written here in my notes, first act of boyhood Ethan Hawke, Ben Affleck. Because <laughs> he definitely has the, the hair and the goatee. And I guess that would have been a similar time frame also. Then again, Ethan Hawke was from Austin. I think he would have been a little more open-minded about just gay culture in general. Yes, that and... 
uh, probably just thought more of it to be like, oh, well, I probably shouldn't go down this rabbit hole. Ethan Hawke is, is, is smarter uh, as far as picking roles. He is. Well, not just picking roles, but picking love, too. <laughs> if she wasn't on a train just out of nowhere, you know, I ain't fucking with it. Then again, we all saw how that relationship turned out two movies later, so. We did. Maybe, maybe you just can't win at all. Have we ever told that story on the podcast where you and me, like, binge-watched those three? Okay. I think we mentioned it, yeah. Okay. That, that was a thing that happened, and Julio and I were forever linked from oh, that yeah. point on. You don't, you don't binge the Before Trilogy with somebody <laughs> and then just <laughs> kiss him off your life. No, you're bonded forever. You don't just leave him at the bar after that, never to speak to them <laughs> oh, again. Oh, no. So back at the apartment, once uh, Banky returns from Boston, he sees how, uh, in his opinion, how far Affleck's fallen, uh, you know, in love with Alyssa, and he does not take well to it. And there's really not a read on it as an audience member, at least at this portion of the movie. I thought it was just him looking out for his best friend because he knew there's no way this was going to end well. And then we get like this showdown that it looked like they were going to throw fists at any point. That's that's uh, Affleck's first Oscar. Oscar scene, I think. I think he like punches the wall and says, "It's because I love her." I don't think he punches the wall. He just he, but he he just gets really close to him no. and, and says the yeah the dramatic love declaration, number one. And Jason Lee, at this point, it's still we root for him because we think his intentions are good. That's it's that 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 trick that the movie you know is trying to pull on you, where like you're gonna you're gonna side with the bigot. <laughs> Yeah, where we think, oh, there is no devil. <laughs> Holden and Alyssa go out to eat at some shitty diner. Uh, on the drive home in the rain, he pulls over and confesses his love to her. But, man. Oscar clip number two. Well, I was going to say also just uh, pin a purple heart on Kevin Smith for this one because uh, pulls over, real dramatic silence, says I'm in love with you. Then the thunder goes off. The thunder, <sighs> yes. Uh, Much like in our hearts. Yes, it, it rumbles. and. This is where the movie should have ended, right? It, it's like, well, not this scene, but the next one. So he he opens up his heart, lets all the emotion pour out, uh, and then she storms off. But also this scene, man, like I've been in this situation before where you start saying something to a girl and then you just keep talking and you can't stop. And like <laughs> you each, make it worse. each word more useless than the next. Right. Yeah. You should have just stopped. I love you. And done. That's it. Take Let what it. you want. Fade to black. We'll come to the next shot. Diminish and returns every time you keep explaining why you love her and like all this stuff. It just, it just. And this goes deleted. on and on and on. That's a theme for this movie. I mean, and again if, and again. If you thought that the oral sex uh, roundtable lasted too long, I mean, Affleck talking about how much he cares for this girl. Yes. A whole storm happens. I mean, it wasn't. This raining is when the opening of scene of Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> yeah, and the the Jewish people in hiding. In this, in this case, they're uh, Ben Affleck's jo- Joey Laura Adams, just <laughs> the single tear of fear <laughs> running down her cheek. Uh, but, of course, she doesn't take well to this, and rightfully so. Uh, says that's really selfish and a shitty thing to put on me. But, but. <laughs> she instigated this whole situation. She created this scenario. Well, Self-fulfilling even, prophecy. Even so, okay, I'll, I'll cut her some slack. Maybe she wanted friends. She wanted a friend like Affleck. Maybe she really likes a comic book, right? And... He seems like a cool guy. He can play darts. And and I guess if you want to give her even more benefit of the doubt, like anybody standing next to Jason Lee is going to come out <laughs> looking like a prince, right? But I this is, again, the movie trying to have its cake and eat it where she gets this empowering moment where she tells him off. She tells him, how dare you put this on me, you oh, yeah. fucking asshole. 
rightfully so, just tells him off, walks away. And then immediately sells out. 20 seconds later, runs back to him, starts making out with him. What Jumps into his arms. Yes. Or I think she jumps on his back, piggyback style first, and then they come back around. And, and then as they're making out, Affleck just holds out his hand, like a bunch of people walking by, just high-five him. <laughs> you did it, the bunch of people in Trump hats. <laughs> you did it. I told you she was faking it. <laughs> um, So they... What's the term I'm looking for here? Consummate their, their newfound relationship. Oh, you're trying to be like really classy about it. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Smith was, so I'm trying to just live up. There's to- nothing classy about that sex scene with the NC because fucking Affleck's still wearing his shirt and socks in the next morning. And she's in boxers, and the apartment looks like a fucking tornado hit it. So they just they wrestled a lot, and yet somehow Affleck remained almost fully Just clothed. fucking tackled her off the couch. Uh, Banky returns and finds this fucking crime scene at his apartment and we do get the awesome shot of uh i think he has like a chocolate milk or something and yeah. he drops it uh, it wasn't in slow motion that was a missed opportunity he's obviously uh appalled at what he's seen knowing full well what's where this is going and it's nowhere good but then just in case that because kim smith's not done fucking with you his reaction is like he goes outside to start perving on some High school girls, like mm-hmm. Catholic school girls. Ben Affleck is trying to, you know, everything's going to be okay. Jason Lee, again, at this point, the voice of reason knows uh, knows wiser than that. Um, Alyssa has her lesbian group of friends that uh, I'm not really sure what they're doing. They're licking envelopes and sending them off. It has something to do with their comic book. Because they're like, if, we one day, if one day we got picked up by a big publisher, we don't have to do this anymore. But it's just so weird that... I mean, the implication is that all of them are lesbians, mm-hmm. right? And that it just seems like such a weird take. Like It's like the 90s vision, like a straight guy's 90s vision of what a lesbian is like. We're like, well, she only hangs out with lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> and they just talk about lesbian stuff. Yeah, it's not possible because that's all they're talking about is what girl they're sleeping with and yeah. things like that. And then the moment that it's revealed that she's dating a dude is just like, shame. <laughs> They just brand her. It's like this Scarlet Letter. So this movie's over 20 years old. So I wonder if Kevin Smith has learned more about the, the lesbian community. Oh, since dude, then. I have I have a, a pretty awesome real talk story once we get to the second part. But I do love that his 1997 view of it was, if you're a lesbian, all you do is hang out with lesbians, talk about lesbian stuff. And if you're not a lesbian, you're kicked out of the group. Oh, so if you're a lesbian, you might fall for a guy. <laughs> Oh, we're going to get to that. Um, that actually, that night, or again, time is not linear in this film, but whenever the next time they're laying down at night is, um, after she's been shamed out of her group of friends, she gives the love is love speech, and here, in like the most damaging part of the movie, basically implies that it's a choice. It's, it's really weird because, well, one, Affleck, once again, is fully clothed. Mm-hmm. They have like a... Like a clause in his contract. These days, he can't wait to take a shirt off. No. But back then, was he just not as... as well, we, as got, um, we got Affleck ass in Reindeer Games. So it was just like a couple of years removed from him just yeah. being comfortable I with his body. I think he was still toning. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it just... I mean, once again, if you... <laughs> and the movie keeps topping itself as far as length for these, these monologues. Because mm-hmm. uh, her monologue dwarfs... Affleck's uh, love declaration in the car. Yes. Right? And this is her first Oscar clip, really, where, yeah, she's like, <laughs> I just... I thought I'd give girls a shot. That's how it works. 
But, you know, Mike Pence is right. Jesus. It's just a matter of me deciding that I wanted a guy. Minus the Pence comment. That's basically (laughs) the gist of what she says. Well, yeah, back then nobody cared about Mike Pence. But if you were to remake... Mike Pence cared about Mike Pence back then. Yeah. If you were to remake Chasing Amy right now, you know, and you have a real Renee Zellweger giving the the monologue to Josh Gad, Mm -hmm. you know, then there would be a Pence reference. The problem with this scene is... It's not tailored specifically to her character enough in that she's speaking in very broad strokes and I think is a dangerous precedent to set for speaking on a subject like that because then as a filmmaker, you're basically volunteering yourself for criticism. Well, but then it doesn't help that... that or oh, scorning, rather, not criticism. Uh, all all that, that leads to is Affleck saying, like, well... Can I just tell my friends that you like my dick? Yeah. Again. <laughs> it wasn't surprising to find out that Kevin Smith wrote this about his relationship with that woman. But this is but see, this is the guy that she fell for. Like the guy that she completely uprooted her lifestyle for. It's like just Lost idiot. all her friends for. Her. Yeah. And then, you know, can I just tell you or can I say I gave you the good dick or whatever he says? And she's just like, Oh, Batman. Um, Show me that dragon tattoo again. <laughs> Is that real? I, you told me about it, and I, I didn't go sleuthing on the internet to see what the uh, deal was. God bless. He can do whatever he wants now. It's true. Man, he was on fire after this. It was Chasing Amy, Armageddon, 200 Cigarettes, Reindeer Games. There was nothing Ben Affleck couldn't do. <laughs> the good times that, would never stop. The party was never going to end. Uh, next scene here is Jason Lee taking things a bit further to the point of becoming uncomfortable and obsessive where he tracks down a yearbook and some friends that Alyssa had in high school and basically reveals that she was kind of a, a slut as he labels her uh, and the story about her having a three-way in her living room with two guys. Yeah, finger cuffs, a love story. <laughs> that is, I mean, I don't like that the movie doesn't address the fact that there, this is a double standard. Mm-hmm. Right, because like as a dude, you know, if you take part of a story like that, you brag about it, and but then she's she's part of a story. She has that story in her closet, and and it's just basically other than Hooper, everybody else thinks that this is something really appalling. Yeah, and I I don't think the movie does enough to <laughs> to convince you that oh no, it's it's okay, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and in a cruel twist of irony, uh, Ben Affleck's character in 200 Cigarettes, his goal for the night was exactly. to have a three-way. Yeah. With, Such a hypocrite. Affleck should be carrying motivations from movie to movie. <laughs> with not Debbie Mazar and the other girl in that movie. I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Um, but what Hooper points out, again, him being the smartest character in this, uh, and what, if you've been paying attention to uh, Holden's character... The main thing is it hurts Affleck's ego. That's the most consistent uh, thread in this story. His ego's hurt because he thought he was the only guy and he, you know, converted her back to, you know, being straight type of thing. That's what's hurt most about it. Right. So he's such an asshole. <laughs> Why is she still with him? Uh, but also Hooper, I just, I hate the movie for just giving... You know, those insights to characters that are so reprehensible anyway, because mm-hmm. Hooper, in that same scene, he just goes up to a little black boy and just basically instills hate inside him toward Ben Affleck just because he's white. Yes. You know, and it's like, ha, 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 we're just being funny. 
that kid has changed. I did like the, the, I don't know if it was an intentional callback, but in um, Not Grown Ups, what was the name of that movie? Role Models. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, Role Models, you white, you Ben Affleck. (laughs) I don't know if that was an intentional, but yeah, that that was really good. So uh, Hooper just tells him to fucking get over it. And Ben Affleck, for whatever reason, can't. So naturally, he takes Alyssa out to a hockey game where tensions are running hot, and he's very unsubtly trying to prod and poke and get the, the story out Well, of speaking of unsubtle, I mean, Kevin Smith intercuts this with uh, with hockey players punching each other, getting violent, mm-hmm. and the violence in the, the rink escalates yeah. as, the, as the tension between Holden and Alyssa escalates, and it's just like art. Yeah. Symbolism. Gloves are off. <laughs> oh. And, of course... She admits to him what he heard was legitimate, but that he was a fucking asshole for going about it the way he did, which I do agree with to a certain extent. It's not, you know, uh, a junior league hockey game or wherever the fuck they were isn't the place to air these grievances. <laughs> and and just, you know, and then they move it to the parking lot, which isn't much better, mm-hmm. where we get uh, Oscar clip number two for, for Joy Lauren Adams. Yes, where she goes on a long, rocky road of her troubled sexual past and... Um, just different instances she's had, but says she's not going to apologize for it because it was, you know, her mistakes, her life, that type of thing. But then she apologizes. <laughs> she does. And I was about to say, it, that would be admirable if she doesn't apologize and try to make it better. And then fucking Affleck, just monumental piece of shit here. Just, you know, I want a normal relationship and we can't have that. It's like, bitch, what have you been working for for the past 90 minutes? It was like, it was cool when you were a lesbian. <laughs> it was cool when my ego wasn't bruised from all this. Oh, and... Of course, why show up to make a movie if you're not going to get your cameo in it? We get uh, this is like a total Shyamalan cameo too. It's not just it like, is. This is Lady this, in the Water, right? This yeah. is like important to the plot. So Affleck is. What is the point of this transaction? He's at a diner, and oh, speaking of likenesses, you know, this is obviously a practice that he abandons by the end of the movie. But he's paying Jay and Silent Bob because he uses their likenesses in the Blood Oh, Chronic okay, book. that's what he's doing. All right. Yeah, I didn't know what the cash transaction was for. He was um, definitely not buying drugs. No, they offered him some pot and he turned it down. But they're at a diner and they, Jay and Silent Bob show up and... Comple- out of a different movie. Yeah. This for- has been said in the real world and suddenly we get the pot dealers from Cartoon City. And Affleck tells him, you know, what's going on. He's troubled about this woman and Jay keeps... Uh, Jason Muse is that his name? Yeah. He keeps insisting, you know, tell me who she is. I know people that know people. And he says, uh, Alyssa Jones. He's like, oh, shit, finger cuffs. So he he knows the story. He knows the story. And it's supposed to be like, you know, this big shock to the audience and to Affleck that it's that she's that well known. Mm-hmm. But earlier in the movie, they've really established that all Kevin Smith movies take place within like, a, I don't know, 200 yards radius. Mm-hmm. Right. Because... When they first, when they're at the party, I think Affleck Ta- and again, time is not linear, right? Affleck and and Alyssa are just like talking about different people that they know, and it's like it's basically it's Kevin Smith trying to build the MCU before the MCU happened, you know, where it's like everything is connected, every movie builds off another. So he's name dropping people from Clerks and people from Mallrats and people that would probably will show up in Dogma later. Yeah, yeah. So why would you be surprised that that? Jason Mewes knows her. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows everybody here. 
Holden's whole life has fallen apart. He lost his girl and he lost his best friend. Uh, basically, a residual of that was um, when Banky exposed all that to Holden. He just didn't want to know, and they just got in a big fight. And Banky, you know, spun it as you know he's trying to protect him, that type of thing. But he's at his lowest point here when the true voice of reason, the the voice of the voice you don't hear often. Yes. What's the Philip Seymour Hoffman almost famous? The only currency in this bankrupt world. <laughs> Silent Bob drops, you're chasing Amy. And, you know, the quizzical looks of what could he be talking about. And he launches into this articulate. Um, I was surprised we didn't get several crossfades implying that this story went over longer and longer. But a story of a girl. Well, you know, because that would imply that Kevin Smith would actually cut anything Showed out. any restraint when making this <laughs> right. movie. Yeah. Uh, Basically explains the story of this woman he fell in love with and broke up with out of his own fear in his heart and his own uh, insecurities. And he says ever since then he's been chasing Amy, so to speak. Right. And it's like my first reaction. The girl's reaction, name was Amy. Right. My first reaction was, okay, that's cool. But that's the movie we were watching. Mm-hmm. So, okay, thank you, Kevin Smith, for spending 10 minutes telling me something that we just watched. It's like like summarizing the movie as you move into the third act. You don't need that. Mm-hmm. Just Just – just get going. I was more interested with whatever Jay had to say about it because he's such a weird character yeah. that uh, you can tell that you're on the wrong side when uh, you know even somebody as outlandish as, as Jason Mewes kind of agrees with everybody else that why are you getting all worked up about this, yeah. right? That to me carries a lot more weight than than Silent Bob giving us a very generic story <laughs> that that beat by beat basically matches what we just saw yeah. in the previous hour. Taking this newfound information or this um, good motivational speech, this pep talk is what I'm looking for there, the verbiage. Uh, Batman takes this as an initiative to arrange a town hall meeting in his apartment with... Uh, the his, fucking nerve, too. Like, I know. Just, such a white guy about the whole thing. <laughs> white privilege all the way. Uh, Banky and Alyssa, uh, he... Has them meet him at his apartment. He comes up and pulls up his chair in the middle and basically says, he just You're probably him. wondering why I gathered you here today. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what's what. Yeah. And he shrinks the two of them, uh, basically plays armchair psychologist and says, Banky, your problem is you're in love with me and you're gay, so you need to accept that. And uh, Alyssa, you know, our problems are I can't let go of your past and, you know, need to understand that and be more forgiving of it so he proposes a three-way he it's the dumbest plan in the history of dumb plans mm-hmm. and i i speaking of Shyamalan, this is like on par with the aliens that uh, can get killed by water coming to earth for yes I, and it's not so i mean i'll give kevin smith this at least it doesn't work right mm-hmm. at least somebody in that group had enough sense to like notice that it's bullshit yeah but the fact that it gets to that point in 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 a way it cheats everybody else from a more sensible fulfilling resolution as the audience i hate the fact that this movie built up this conflict that was really interesting and then they're like well now yeah for your climax a really stupid idea that would never work. <laughs> you know what this really reminded me of was that movie Friends with Kids with Adam Scott. God damn, that movie, dude. <laughs> like the last, what is it, like two minutes? Like, What is it that what he says? I really want to fuck you or something? I want to fuck the shit out of you. And then she says, well, fuck the shit out of me. <laughs> but that's kind of what it reminded me of in terms of like a really good build with just such a shitty payoff. Right. It's like, this is your plan. This is the man you you fell for, 
uh, Alyssa Jones. <laughs> it's like he let himself get caught to further his plan, pretty much. <laughs> Fortunately, Alyssa is the voice of reason. Yeah, because Gam- uh, Bank- uh, Panky says yet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was going to say Gambit says yes. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Kish just comes in. How about Jason Lee as Gambit? That <laughs> starts unbuttoning. All right, let's get to it. Yeah, Banky's in, which, okay. And then Alyssa, the voice of reasons, like you fucking idiot. No, that's not going to do anything. <laughs> I'm going to give you a list. I'm going to list ten reasons why this is a terrible idea. And she does. She very politely, more politely than necessary, lists all the reasons why it's a terrible idea, and then basically says, in no uncertain terms, this just isn't going to work. Should have said you're not worthy of me. But she does get the awesome, empowering moment of slapping him. Says I love you, and then slap. But I'm not your whore. I'm not, okay, at least now. And, and you know, because of the track record that this movie has established, mm-hmm. you halfway expect her to, like, turn around once she gets to the door and then run back to him. Yeah. <laughs> I still love you. I, I love you too much. I can't quit you. <laughs> Banky drop trow. <laughs> so we go to one year later. I know I made this joke when we were watching it, but I'm going to go ahead and make it again. Uh, ben Affleck shows up as Tony Clifton to perform <laughs> at the Giggle Hut. Uh, if you don't get that joke... One, watch Man of the Moon to listen to the Man of the Moon episode. <laughs> uh, it's another comic book convention in New York, New Jersey, wherever really they are. And Ben Affleck is in the background. He sees Banky signing and basically through no words, they kind of amend their friendship. Yeah, fences. it's such bullshit because I hate that. That's such a cheap out mm-hmm. that one year later, literally... The movie is at its most interesting, at its most engaging. The characters are in a position where you're like, what happens next? Mm-hmm. Like, what happens next Like, right now? I want to see that conversation after Alyssa leaves. I want to see that conversation between Banky and, and Affleck. And instead, fuck it, 12 years later, <laughs> he has his own comic book. Ben Affleck has his own comic book, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was he planning on someday doing the the prequel slash sequel where it shows us what happened in that one year because i want to see that movie yes maybe i don't know (laughs) i don't know but it it should at least have a couple of like interesting nuggets of information yeah not really exactly like what happened with banky did he did he come out as gay was that all just a big misfire (laughs) I, i don't know what happens after he leaves that room he goes he goes into his room did he jerk off did he just think about it well, we know eventually Ben Affleck became Batman. So as this way movie, down the line, as this movie dictates, everything works out for Ben Affleck in the end. Uh, but he goes up to Alyssa's table. She's doing a signing as well. He actually speaks to her. He has enough fucking respect for her to speak as opposed to just miming and signing at her. Uh, he drops uh, his new comic on her desk, says it's a self-financed one. It's uh, called Chasing Amy. Um, and it's literally their story put to pen. He doesn't even change their fucking names. She could sue him for defamation of character. I mean, the the dude in the story looks like Affleck, and the girl, we only see her in one panel, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that couple, and she looks enough like her that I think she has a solid case. Oh, absolutely. I wonder if that's what happened with uh, with Jay and Silent Bob also. Like they, well, it, that is what happened with Jay and Silent Bob, right? Mm-hmm. I think that they made the comic, and then Jay and Silent Bob sued because Affleck says something like, how do you even know about copyright likeness or whatever? And they're like, oh, we know a lot of lawyers. Yeah. And then he makes the same mistake again with Alyssa. I hope she sued his ass. <laughs> uh, but they talk for a while, and it's just kind of rambling and meandering. And It doesn't accomplish anything. No. He's, he's kind of like uh, uh, 
Jonah Hill's character in uh, Forgetting Star Marshall. Where he keeps trying to get uh, the British, to, yeah, to listen to his tape. And he's like, he has his comic and he gives it to her. He's like, you know, you, you can read it if you have time. <laughs> Did you get it? Yeah, it, 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 if you have more time, you can call me because I love some feedback. <laughs> but of course, the whole payoff to this is Ben Affleck, I, in a sense, gets the last laugh. <laughs> this this final he shot leaves her just... in tears, and then he walks out the door, but not before turning back over his shoulder and giving one last look of "You could have had this." It's it's even more damning than that because her, I guess, it's her current girlfriend or something, mm-hmm. right? So we know that she went back to to being a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, her girlfriend comes for the back. Home team. Yeah, her girlfriend her girlfriend comes back, and uh, and she asks, "Who is that guy?" And then cut to Affleck giving the last look, like turning around. She says something like, "Oh, a guy I used to know." She says, "Like some dude I fucked." <laughs> and, and then, and then, just to make a point, the girlfriend would have been like, "Oh, cool." Yeah, you know, reacted completely chill as opposed to Affleck. But but no, the movie has no interest in going there. No. Nope. Instead, Affleck gets the hero walking away shot. Yeah, and we don't know what happened to Hooper. Right? Did he? Did he get killed? Because <laughs> he d- it did show him carrying around a gun that was loaded with blanks, so you never know. You, dude, I mean, talk about just America right now. Can you get away with that joke? Of course not. <laughs> no. I did love, though, they said, like, you have a gun with blanks. Shouldn't these cops be out here oh, shooting Becky's you? Is yeah, wrong, wrong coast. coast. Yeah. yeah. That was very timely. Affleck gets the hero's exit. Yeah. And, and round I- and round by rat starts playing as the credits start to roll. There is... That would be Rocky like a hurricane. That would be the one. <laughs> <laughs> he the the gist of because we only see a couple panels from his comic book, but that's supposed to be his redemption mm-hmm. that he finally got it. Uh, which again feels like such a cheat that we didn't see that more of that. Instead, we see him. We just have... find out that he uh, eventually realized the error of his right. ways. Eventually, figure it out. Yeah, I'm a dumbass and. Guess what? You can be bisexual, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. I'm Ben Affleck. I, I don't care. Gender does not apply to me. <laughs> That's basically the moral of the story. <laughs> Everyone loves Ben Affleck. <laughs> and, and Ben Affleck can treat you like shit sometimes. Mm-hmm. So be careful who you and love. And you'll still come running back to him in the rain. Yeah. Unless you're Jennifer Garner. Oh, yeah. At the very least. Oh, yeah. Mm. Respect. <laughs> it's on her birthday, too. So got to give her a shout out. Yeah, as we record, not as we deploy. No, this. Uh, but yeah, I think I think we're ready for real talk. I would unless, agree. Unless you have some more snark to throw this way, I do not. All right. Ah, uh, come on, that's a bunch of horse shit. I know Calrissian was a black guy. You know, you got to fly the Millennium Falcon. What's the matter with you? Who said that? I did. Lando Calrissian is a positive role model in the realm of science fiction fantasy. Fuck Lando Calrissian, Uncle Tom, nigga. Always some white boy got to invoke the Holy Trilogy. Bust this. Those movies are about how the white man keeps the brother man down, even in a galaxy far, far away. Check this shit. You got cracker farm boy Luke Skywalker, Nazi poster boy, blonde hair, blue eyes. And then you got Darth Vader, the blackest brother in the galaxy, Nubian God. What's a Nubian? Shut the fuck up. Now, Vader, he's a spiritual brother, you know, down with the Force and all that good shit. Then there's Cracker, Skywalker. Gets his hands on a lightsaber, and the boy decides he's gonna run the fucking universe. Gets a whole clan 
whites together. And they gonna bust up Vader's hood, the Death Star. Now what the fuck do you call that? Intergalactic Civil War? Gentrification! They gonna drive out the black element to make the galaxy quote unquote safe for white folks. And Jedi's the most insulting installment because Vader's beautiful black visage is sullied when he pulls off his mask to reveal a feeble, crusty old white man. They trying to tell us that deep inside, we all wants to be white. Well, isn't that true? And now we're entering real talk. Uh, where we actually tell you how we feel about the movie for reals. For reals, hence the name. Yeah, this is uh, where we break down. Uh, I always go through a little list of stats here. For example, Chasing Amy was released on April 4th, 1997. Uh, budget, a very modest budget of $250,000. Box office of $12 million. That was pretty plain. I'll, I'll usually have more stats than that, but it was pretty bare bones for uh, Chasing Amy here. Well, I mean, the thing is, with Chasing Amy, as with, I think, every movie Kevin Smith has ever done. Oh, it's you, written and directed by Kevin Smith. You can kind of do the, the deep dive into the lore if you just kind of, like, listen to Kevin Smith's commentaries or ask him about it on yeah. Twitter. Which takes me to the, the, that uh, moment I referenced earlier when you asked, I wonder how Kevin Smith feels about it or how, how his world has expanded since then or whatever. And uh, it was funny because I think maybe two, three weeks ago, uh, a girl I follow on Twitter, she tweeted that she was going to watch Kevin, uh, Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can't believe – I have a hard time believing that this is actually as good as everybody says. So I'm going to be live tweeting with it about it or something like that. And uh, I guess somebody saw that. And sent it Kevin Smith's way. And then Kevin Smith replied to her directly. And he's like, hey, that's cool. You're going to watch the movie. Just, you know, keep an open mind. Because that was like 20 years ago. I was like a 25-year-old that was, I think he put it like, he said, I wasn't woke, but I was trying to be or something. <laughs> which I thought was really cool, you know. Yeah. And then she replied, was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll keep that in mind. It was like really friendly. And then the internet happened. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of Kevin Smith fans just got really ugly with her and started just tweeting nasty things at her, just judging her or whatever. And then she just tweeted again. It's like, you know what? I'm not going to watch the movie because it's not worth it. (laughs) And I'm like, that's a bummer because I really wanted to get her take, you know, just see somebody that's hasn't seen the movie that it's already kind of predisposed to maybe not liking it. And then maybe it changes a little bit because the filmmaker said, Hey, going with an open mind so far, it all looked like such a, like a good story. Mm -hmm. And then the internet fucked it up. So basically, he was implying that his mind was obviously a bit different due to his youth. I mean, he's he's older than us right now, and yeah. I'm sure that he watches the movie. And he has the same you know reactions you know in general that that someone does right now, like yeah. living in America in the year 2018. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like oh, maybe I should have phrased that differently, or oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that, or you know, whatever. But it's not a yeah, nothing that I personally took vicious offense to. There were things I would have changed at the same time. <laughs> A movie like this is not something you can make today without a little bit of blowback from some people. Right. And the thing is, like, I'm fully aware that I'm not, you know, I'm not a lesbian. And, yeah, and that's the, the thing. Yeah, I, I think, obviously, if I was of certain groups or uh, persuasions, I would have a much more vicious outrage to some of the things How do you on. know that, you know, lesbians all across the world watch Chasing Amy? They watch that scene where, like, the group of lesbians is there and they're like, he got it. <laughs> Oh my god, the secret's out. <laughs> How did he know who told? 
All right. So who did not like this movie? Out of the 12%, what you got for us? Okay. I got a few quotes, a few rotten quotes. Uh, Edward Guthman from the San Francisco Chronicle says, lacks insight and finesse and feels like a bold-faced Rorschach for Smith's own hang-ups. Okay. Uh, Eric Brace from the Washington Post, he gets nasty. He says, can a script exploring some truly deep questions about human sexuality and emotions be any shoddier and wooden? Why will Miramax continue to fund one of the worst directors in the business? Good God. Don't stay tuned. Well, fine, Eric Brace. Fine. That's, I won't stay that's tuned not to your reviews. Disliking a movie that's trying to take away someone's livelihood. <laughs> yeah, that's just that seems hateful. Uh, Rob Gonzalez from eFilmCritic.com says the plot and dialogue play too much as if Smith is reenacting past romantic squabbles he's had and rewriting them too. Well, I think he's on the record saying that yeah. <laughs> that kind of is what happened. Uh, the hilarious Carly Carly Kokorek from Common Sense Media says. Dated romantic comedy, wrong for all kids. Yeah. Lady, I'm pretty sure it's radar. Yeah. Paul Tatara from CNN.com says, There's a lot of frank conversation about the technical aspects of sex between women, but Holding and Banky are written more like sniggering eighth graders than inquisitive adults. I think that's part of their charm. Mm -hmm. And then finally, Garth Franklin from Dark Horizons says, The Australian DVD release version of this film is deplorable. <laughs> Was it the quality where like the <laughs> the extras were like really did they lacking. have to dub over? Did they not pay for the soundtrack, so they had to dub it over? I don't. Yeah, there was no gag reel. Yeah, it's all <laughs> it's all uh, elevator music. To the point of uh, the previous one about the snickering eighth graders. For parts of this movie, not all of it, but for parts of it, it definitely does paint females as smarter and more mature than males. But that's fine. I mean, I've heard which uh, is not. And that's not an incorrect thing in the real world at all. Right. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with just, I mean, now that we're in real talk, like the character of Banky is... We can open up now. Yeah. I I love Jason Lee's performance. I love the character. Yeah, I, yeah of course, he's he's meant to be an idiot. Mm -hmm. And I'd actually, I, in one of his stand-up specials, Kevin Smith kind of answers, he, there's a girl that comes up and asks him what, uh, you know, the, she kind of like puts him on the spot about the movie. And he's like... Because of everything that happens in the movie, don't you think that you're actually kind of like saying that, yes, all a lesbian needs is some good deep dicking and then that'll turn her, mm -hmm. right? And Smith is like, well, you know, really, the person that says that is Banky and Banky's an idiot. Yeah. So you really shouldn't take what he's saying at, as something that's smart or mm -hmm. insightful. And, uh, and I really, I, I think my, my one problem with the movie, when I feel, where I feel that it feels dated, it's just like, the sexual politics have come such a long way since then. Mm. It, everybody's mind is blown by the fact that this girl was not that she'd had sex with other people before, yeah. with other men, with men in general, I guess. And and just then the idea of like that Affleck has to ask her why me. You know, these days it feels like that's not a question you even ask. It's mm -mm. like, well, you have bisexual people all over the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it just happens. But I think that – I don't think it's just telling on you know the filmmaker side. It's just that the time when he made the movie, I think the 90s obviously were different. Uh, a little bit. Just a little bit. That, that the time frame on our president hadn't been impeached yet for getting a blowy. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of a different time. Oh, that was more oh, Back in the days when we just had to worry about our president getting a beige. Uh, 
Yeah. I But, uh, you know, like I said, as if I need to repeat it, I'm not a lesbian. So, of course, I don't know how offensive that could be, where mm. you finally see somebody that's established as being someone like you. It, and then halfway through the movie, she makes a turn because a guy just played it right. And also, yeah, I'm I'm not. You're not like a lesbian? A, I'm not a lesbian. I'm not gay. I can't speak to that. That's why it gets kind of tricky. I'm I'm a white man. I'm the most privileged in the world. So acting like I have, you know, can relate to any of that's a bit silly. Uh, but I would be curious or I was curious and just kind of it, watching it through my fingers side eyed that speech she gives about kind of because there are there are people like that in the world. I've met plenty of them that aren't bound by gender. They're just looking for love in whatever sh- form it may take. But the movie presents her very clearly as gay for a while. So. I think that's the the problem. But but I think that it would be more of a problem if it was her movie. You know, if we had been following her POV and mm-hmm. then suddenly the trick is that, oh, well, no, she was not gay. She just thought she was. <laughs> it's the Joker and, and the killing joke. Just the, <laughs> the origin story right. warps throughout the entire thing. Yeah. I think she does a really a, – a pretty good job of explaining how she comes mm-hmm. to – to choose Affleck after being with girls for a long time, what her speech makes sense. Yeah, it's just that unfortunately now these days, you know, there's that other argument when you're like, well, it is a choice, you know, yeah. and and then that's what that's when it wanders into like uh, dangerous waters. Yeah, you know, like all those parents that are intolerant of their kids because they're like, oh, well, it's just a phase, and you could just choose to like like a guy can easily read into this scene. I'm like, see. <laughs> Not Renee Zellweger did it. <laughs> she, you know, now you she's have... with Batman, and that was that was Affleck before Batman. That was <laughs> that was Affleck when he was self conscious about taking his shirt off. Joey Lauren Adams, who was Kevin Smith's girlfriend at the time he wrote this, um, also the only thing I knew her from was Emp- uh, not Empire Records. Um, Days, Days are confused. confused. Do you think the fact that she looked so much like Renee Zellweger hurt her? Ability to get work. You know, that's funny because I actually wrote that down. As oh, something really? That, yeah, I was like, did, is that what happened? Like, there can only be one. And <laughs> like the Highlander. <laughs> yeah, Zellweger was the, the winning Highlander. Uh, I mean, it could be. It's like uh, Skeet Ulrich and Johnny Depp. Like, <laughs> I know I brought it up before. Yeah, where, like, yeah, yeah. Ulrich was supposed to be the next Johnny Depp, and then Johnny Depp. Just came back to be Johnny Depp. <laughs> he was like, I'm still here. Yeah. Which, that's. That shows you how weird things are in Hollywood, and uh, to have that pop into our heads and be like, "Yeah, that's probably what happened," because because that makes perfect sense. Yeah, because uh, she's really good in this, and everything else I've seen her in, she's good in. Um, her, like I said in uh, the first portion, I do think it betrays her character when she has like that those two defining moments where she stands up for herself just to end up. It's yeah to Affleck. It. it... Now I see it like as as very weakening. When I, I remember when I first watched this movie, and I've seen this movie so many times. I mean, I this was my first time. I don't know if we mentioned that in the first portion, but this was my first time seeing this. Yeah, I I've seen it so many times. I watched it uh, on video. Obviously, this didn't open in Peru. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was the first Kevin Smith movie it's I actually Finding watched. Finding Amy. <laughs> Where is Amy? Where is Amy? I I watched it and I loved it and then I was just I remember trying to show it to as many people as I could and nobody really cared for it anywhere near as much as I did. It worked for me a lot better than I did now and I still like it a lot. I still think it has like a lot of good stuff in it. But yes, like her giving her like those empowering moments and then diminishing them yeah. by not letting them stay at least a little longer. Mm-hmm. Uh 
I understand you're telling a love the first story, one, but... like, yeah, she, it's like 10 seconds. Right. And yeah. it's, but it's so good too, because she tells him off in such a good way, mm-hmm. very clear, and she's right on every little thing she says. And then she goes back to him. And maybe if I was a little more invested in the relationship, but I wasn't kidding in Contrarian's Corner, I don't really think that Affleck is such a catch in no. this movie. I mean, he's just a dude. And. He's a struggling comic book artist. Right. I mean, okay, so he looks like Ben Affleck at the time. So, But but that's really superficial if the only reason she yeah. <laughs> runs back to him is just because he looks like Ben Affleck, right? So she she paints it like they have this connection. But I never really felt that they they go and play at that amusement park or whatever. Oh, the arcade? Yeah, yeah. the arcade. But it's like, uh, I don't know. I, I liked it a lot more when she was just standing up to him and calling him out on his shit and just saying, "Well, no." Yeah, you're right. The after he like says, "I'm in love with you," everything she says is completely accurate. Like it's on point. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's really good. And I'm not saying I I understand you're telling a love story. I'm not saying that they couldn't get together after, but give her some room Mm -hmm. to just at least enjoy that triumph. Use that for the one year later. Right. Exactly, dude. How? Oh my god! Now I want to watch that movie. (laughs) You have one. She comes back and it's like. They're doing different comic books or whatever. I, I don't know, just to see revisit those characters mm-hmm. a year later while there's still unresolved stuff. I mean, I guess we kind of do that in the epilogue, but by then it's that the ship has sailed. We're done. Uh, pacing isn't an issue. There's just it's too long. There's shit in here that could have been easily cut down. Yeah, I think I, that he definitely wants to be Tarantino in a lot of this. But I don't mind. I think that it's one of the things where if you enjoy Kevin Smith's dialogue, then this is fine. Like if you enjoy Tarantino dialogue, if you enjoy yeah, Woody Allen's dialogue, fair. it's just like. Just bring it. As yeah. long as you have somebody that can perform it. And I think Jason Lee is so good delivering mm-hmm. anything that they throw at him. Uh, Hooper is also great. Yeah. I, it's kind of a shame. I have never seen him in anything else. But I think he's a, the MVP here. Dwight Ewell, I think, is his name. I probably he, he, butchered it multiple times. But... He has a cameo in Jay and Silent Bob mm-hmm. that's uh, playing Hooper. Oh, I think okay. He shows up like at the very end. He's dating Banky, actually. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's great in this. Uh, all the characters I like are written well. Um, there's just plots of the story or points of the story, excuse me. Like I said, that pointed I pointed out were um, I wish would have been changed. As far as the problematic nature of the movie, I mean, anything like that's going to age poorly. Like if we're going to keep evolving as a society, a lot of times things like that are going to age. Poorly. Right, you're going to be like, I can't believe that once upon a time this was. Birth of a Nation. <laughs> well, even I was talking about Gone with the Wind with uh, with a friend a couple of days ago. And, you know, we brought it up in the podcast before. And I haven't seen it. But, yeah, they were telling me about it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's a story that plays very differently now than it mm-hmm. would before. And that doesn't mean it's not a good movie. No. Couldn't and, tell you because I haven't seen it. But <laughs> And, well, like in cases like this, yeah, if, that, if some tomorrow was using some of the dialogue that this was, it would be like, yeah, it's probably not the best idea in the world. But given the time frame of it and everything – not to say that it couldn't have been handled differently, but even the director and writer himself points out, hey, it was in a different mindset at the exactly. time. So. No, but even, even – I think that they called out Banky at least twice in the movie. Ben Affleck does. Mm-hmm. And I like that it's addressed at least. It is, and it's not coming from a place of just outright bigotry. Right. He's just like – Banky even makes that case that you. it's very relatable where he's like – who cares? I'm in the comfort of my own home. Nobody can hear me. I can say whatever I want. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you're saying horrible things, but I see your point. Mm-hmm. I understand your frustration. Because uh, Affleck is being like the PC police just because he has a hard on for this girl. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Affleck's really good in this. Um, yeah, for all of the things that I usually consider 
failings is the wrong word, but uh, shortcomings, things, shortcomings, things that turned me off about Kevin Smith movies were all present here, but somehow it pulled it all off. And I think the um, I really wanted to hate the Kevin Smith giving the chasing Amy story. It's but really good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. I was like, man, I really want to dislike this right now because it is like in a sense to the plot. It's like the solution, like uh, Lady in the Water when M. Night Shyamalan saves the day type of thing. <laughs> it, except that it isn't. I think that that's also part of what makes it awesome that he inspires Affleck to do the wrong thing. Yes, it, it was. I could see some people finding it a huge misfire that the conclusion is him proposing a three-way, but it basically just shows how stupid and completely how he completely misread all of the situation. Exactly, he was. It was not. He was. It was not going to happen. I mean, no. he obviously, he was not ready for to date that kind of girl. But it's funny because you know you're speaking of society changing, whatever. It's like we change ourselves. When I watched that movie, even as much as I loved it, I hated the ending. I just to me, it felt. Like what I said in Contrarian's Corner. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, what a way to drop the ball. Yeah. What a way to set things up and then come up with a really stupid solution. should have solution. Just out and had Paul Giamatti smiling and <laughs> shaking his head. Uh, and, now, and now I really I really like it. I really appreciate it. I like, I, I guess. I didn't like the ending. Really? You didn't yeah. like that he proposes that? No, the one year later. Part. Oh, well, yeah. The, well, the one year later, I, it's a little too much to me. You know, I, For all intents and purposes, they could have just been rolling the credits over that. Yeah. And well. The other thing is that, uh, and maybe this is because I'm not a member of the LGBT community, but to me, the, the relationship between Affleck, uh, between Holden and Banky, that's the one that I really like. And, you know, the one that I, I think I can buy into more. Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing with Alyssa, it, it, there's so much artifice in it that, that I understand what it's going for and I enjoy it enough, well enough. But to me, the friendship being tested by some dude dating somebody that the other guy doesn't like. Yeah. I think that that probably is more relatable and, and their characters just felt more lived in. Uh, I mean, Alyssa in a way, she's kind of like the manic pixie dream lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> she comes in and she's full of energy and she's going to explain it to you. There was the joke about like uh, Kevin Smith's lesbians for dummies. I mean, it is kind of, there are a couple scenes where, Alyssa just sits them down and explains how being a lesbian works. Mm-hmm. And that felt a little, almost like it was too much. Yeah. I understand that for the times where maybe America needed to hear it. but It does come across, especially now, heavy-handed that, like, right, she... straight man was like, all right, so this is how it's done. Right. Where he was just, it's such an alien concept to both of them that, oh, you can have sex even if there's not a dick involved. Yeah. Really? But I guess back then in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'd think I'd know because I lived it, but I I don't know. I, I think when I was young, like teenager, I probably was like, how does that even work? But at the same time, I mean, I guess eventually I, I figured it out. I, well, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, did Affleck never watch porn? And Banky obviously has. He's solid, like he's into like women with horses and everything. Yeah. But I don't know. It just seemed like they were so naive and, and just ignorant about that aspect of sexuality and mm-hmm. uh but their friendship you know it just feels very real and yeah. so to me when you get to the very end i love that they don't even talk to each other that they just you know it's a little too cutesy maybe with the with the, the sign language the sign language but i get it i'll be right here elliot <laughs> <laughs> uh but the plan the dumb three-way plan I think that when I was young, I really wanted Affleck to win. I wanted him to get it together, and I wanted the story to 
I did not know how this ending. ended. So I was like fearing that that was going to happen, and I was going to just be like, "Oh, well, this movie's a whole fucking waste of time." Yeah, I. To but it's me, not. Oh no, to me, it was just. I can't believe that he's being so dumb, and it it would annoy me that they made his character so dumb. And mm-hmm. now I just love it. I think it's one of the best things in the movie that he comes up with. He sits them down like he's about to reveal this master genius plan, and it just again, it's be, like I was glad she slapped him because then when he actually reveals what he's doing, it's like. The fucking temerity for you to like pull these people together to propose this fucking asinine. Once again, she she tells him what's what very clearly, and once again she's on point. I am not your whore. Yeah, (laughs) not just that, but she also says I am hurt that you'd be willing to share me, and I would never share you. And then also just like the fact that you even think this means you don't understand me or relationship at all. She has to spell it out for him. Yeah, it's it's just so good. I was kind of bummed that at the one year later uh, epilogue, he wasn't clean shaven <laughs> and just walked right onto the set of Armageddon after right. that. He's like, he comes in. It's a comic book convention, so, you know, he's just dressed as an astronaut. It could have happened. <laughs> and then uh, Ethan Suppley is, we get we forgot to mention him in the first portion. Not Chris Farley. Not, well, I just call him Butterfly Effect because that was probably what he was most known for. Oh, I just know him from Kevin Smith movies. I think he's on... At least he's in Mallrats. He's also on uh, Boy Meets World. Haven't seen Boy Meets World. Oh, and... okay. I've never revisited it. I can't imagine it holding up too well. If it does, let us know. Maybe I'll go back <laughs> and check it out. Uh, but yeah, um, enjoyed it. Glad I can put it on the shelf with the other Criterions. Also, uh, in the life of Julio Oliveira, today he learned that the Criterions are numbered. Learn a new thing every day. You know what I'm doing as soon as I'm getting home. <laughs> <laughs> Putting them in numerical order. I don't know about that. I'm going to look and see what's the, the lowest number I have and what's the highest number I have. Okay. I don't. I still – I think I'm going to keep them alphabetical. That would, that would how do you? How, how do you find – I mean, not that I have that many criterions. I mean, I have maybe like a shelf full. But, you know, it's like if you're looking for something, how are you going to remember what number it is? No, but – Okay, then, you know, that's I the whole point to- – I need my criterion selection or my like display to be as pompous as possible, <laughs> which is a, I have a pretty good job of it because I have those film cans and then an old projector as like the bookends for it. So um, no, it would just drive me crazy if I saw those numbers hopping around. Well, obviously I didn't even see the numbers. Yes, so, uh, now maybe now I'll, I'll I'm damaged. You're, you're gonna notice it. You're just gonna be sitting in your living room and your eyes are gonna wander and be like, <laughs> God damn it, Alex. I'm just going to wide them out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, what is the purpose of Criterion to preserve film that's culturally and historically significant? So there's always, it's a lot more now than it was back then. Because I think this one is still in the single digit or double digits. I could see where this good art house flick like this, and especially, um, I don't know if it ever got a traditional release either. That happens with a lot of independent movies. The Criterion picks it up just so they can have DVD distribution. Oh, that's cool. That was uh, Blue Zorm's Color. It wouldn't have gotten any distribution in America unless Criterion picked it up. Because we may have come a long way, but not that long. <laughs> uh, that, that would be a good double feature, this. <laughs> Lesbians for dummies. <laughs> Lesbians for French dummies. <laughs> it's like, you know, all those things that uh, that Alyssa Jones talked about in Chasing Amy. Now you're going to see them. In graphic detail. <laughs> Glorious. I don't know if it's Technicolor. <laughs> High definition. 4K. Uh, I think I told you I went back and rewatched that recently. God, that's a good movie, but good God, I forgot Three how. Three hours. 
Well, no. Well, I watched it in two parts, so that was fine. But the sex scene, I fucking forgot how explicit it is. Like, I remember how explicit it is, and then I saw it, and I was like, there's some porn that's not this explicit. You're like, surely I'm misremembering. I'm, I'm making it out to be bigger than Yeah, it was. exactly. And, like, not kidding at all, I was by myself watching it, and it was, like, making me feel impure, so I just had to skip through the rest of the sex <laughs> you scene. You were like Ben Affleck in this movie. You yeah. were like, uh... Well, because I had it on, like, uh, with sound turned up like I do with movies and stuff, and I was just like... <laughs> Oh god, a neighbor's gonna walk by or something. <laughs> Not the porn headphones that you usually rock. But... Can I high five you, sir? <laughs> Whatever's going on there, I went in. Back to chasing Amy. The length, and that's if this is your first time listening, it's not gonna be the last time you hear me talk about length in movies. Uh, my friends call it the maddest rule. One second over ninety minutes and you're you're in rough territory there. But um yeah, for someone who uh not too hot on clerks. Really don't like dogma. And I'm trying to think of anything else Kevin Smith that I've seen. Jay's Holly Bob. No, I like threw in the towel after dogma. I don't know if I've seen anything he's done since then. Uh, clerks too. Nope. And you said you hadn't seen red state, which might be my second favorite. Th uh, that has John movie. Goodman in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then, but he didn't write that. He did. No, he didn't write the one we were talking about earlier. Cop out. Cop out. Which it's the only one I haven't seen mm -hmm. of his. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of weird. And, I, I love Kevin Smith. I may not love all his movies, and definitely my relationship with his filmography has changed as I've changed, I guess, you know. But I, I, I mean, I tweeted that's the tweet that he liked mm -hmm. <laughs> when I said that when I was going to film school, he was the filmmaker that I looked up to because he was just, it was just this guy that grabbed a bunch of credit cards and made a movie. Yep. And, and the movie was good enough they got picked up and then he developed a career from that. I was like, who doesn't want to do that? Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, this is this sounds like a backhanded compliment, right? Because you're like, oh, I watch Clerks. I can do that. But the truth is like, no, you can't because otherwise everybody else will be doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it takes it takes it takes balls to do it. It takes a certain talent. He, you know, when you watch Clerks and I, we were talking about this before. We started watching Chasing Amy. I told you it's a rough watch if you watch it right now. Yeah. But there's still there's a lot of really funny stuff. There's a lot of there's just something that catches your eye, you know. And when you put it in the context of wow, this guy, this was his first movie. He hadn't even finished film school and he did this. It's it's pretty awe inspiring. And then you know, Moretz, I think it gets a bad rap. Uh, if you're a comic book fan, you kind of love Moretz just because it's a movie about comic book geeks. But mm -hmm. uh, but on its own, it's also just kind of like a fun comedy. If you hear Kevin Smith talking about it and what he was going for as far as like, oh, it's just like an 80s raunchy comedy, then, you know, you kind of see where he was going and, uh, you know, Chasing Amy, Dogma. I think that, uh, oh, you know what? He did that one with Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks. Uh, I know AD oh, hates it. Oh, um, Zach and Mary make a porno? Yeah. I did see that. I'm going to side with Eddie on that one as well. I don't hate it. I think that uh, he's... I think the thing he said about that one was that by then Judd Apatow was making that kind of movie much better than than he could. And I was like, wow, that's refreshingly honest. <laughs> I, I I like it fine, but uh, it does have that immortal line that you and I joke about. Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker weren't having no sex in the Star War. The Star War. Uh, I I think that he. I mean, beyond it being an inspirational thing, you know, I just I, I watch Red State. I just I don't know if you remember like the whole thing with Red State when he made it and then he, it was a big deal. He was going to announce, I think he was going to announce who was going to distribute it or something. And then it was all a stunt. And he ended up saying, no, I'm I'm distributing it myself. 
because fuck the critics and fuck everybody or whatever, you know? And people threw a fit. Like I don't remember that. It was it was so funny because in and what he did is he took the movie on a tour and played it at theaters or in America because he can afford to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you know it just went on the regular I guess DVD whatever nice. release and I, it made a stop in Austin I watched it at the Paramount he did a Q&A after and he was so excited and talking about like you know this is what I'm doing with this movie and this is what I'm going to do with the next one and talking about the podcasts you know because he went on to build his podcast empire and all yeah. this stuff and the entire time I was like okay even if I don't like movies that he's done uh, you know I didn't really care for Tusk uh, definitely didn't care for uh, the other one he did uh, with his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter, Yoga Hoosiers or whatever. I think that a lot of people enjoyed it. It's it's aimed at a very specific demographic. It's not me. <laughs> no. But he's still doing stuff. And to me, just, you know, I think that even when I don't like Kevin Smith movies, I like Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, I like Kevin Smith also. He was in Southland Tales, so that's usually a good criteria. Uh, to... Well, he's not, I, I don't, like I said, I really don't like Dogma, but with him, it's never been, I've never watched a movie he's made and left it with a lowered opinion or anger or any type of ill will towards him because he has a clear idea what he wants to do, but he also doesn't do it for everybody and he also doesn't think it should be for everybody. Well, I think he's very humble about just what yeah. he is as a filmmaker. And you can see the evolution. There's a thing. I, maybe that's part of why I don't really care for uh, that last one, the Yoga Hosers, uh, because it didn't feel like he was moving, you know, it, it just felt like him fucking around. And that's fine. You can fuck around if you want to. You're Kevin Smith. You can do whatever you want. You're already, yeah. you know, you made Chasing Amy. You made Red State. You can do whatever you want. But I, I find him as most exciting when he's trying new stuff, you know, and that that run that he had where he went from clerks to more rats to chasing amy to dogma to jay and silent bob strike back it was like wow we're like seeing his career happening mm -hmm. you know that was like a contemporary in a way I, uh, and yeah i've never left a movie of his with feelings like i have leaving a judd apatow or a <laughs> nicholas wendig rafen film or anything like that um i think with him the main thing is like i said i just kind of stayed away from it because uh couple of them burned me pretty bad but yeah this was really good it was definitely lived up to the hype in terms of things i've heard over the past decade or so of uh talking about kevin smith movies what's and, your letter grade uh probably like a b plus i i think i'm giving it like a four star mm -hmm. out of five no yeah it was really really good definitely something i'll be excited to go back and revisit um like i did with man on the moon mm -hmm. Olympic, and uh I think I was just enchanted by a lot of it the first time. It's a very clunky movie, but the performances are really good. Did you change your your rating? Like the, I don't even remember what you gave it. I think you gave it like a B minus. Yeah, I would still give it like a C plus B minus. Because while there's a lot of good in there, it's really disjointed and clunky. I stick by my four stars on that one. That's that's fine. It's, you know why? This is what you it's, get on the contrarians. It's what Heated Andy debates. <laughs> it's what Andy would have wanted. Classic Andy. Classic Andy. Uh, all right. So we've chased Amy. We did. We uh, caught her. We did. And then we, we let her slip away. Uh, we'll be moving on to the summer of Travolta. What's kicking us off on that? It's Battlefield Earth, right? Battlefield Earth. We're starting at the very bottom. Dear God Almighty. I bet, like, I'll go to the store to get it and they'll pay me to take it. <laughs> well, first, they're like gonna an attempted Rodney Dangerfield one liner. They're gonna they're gonna run a background check on you first just to make sure that everything is okay. Who is this guy? It's like when you buy Catcher in the Rye. 
<laughs> it says a red put flag. Him on, put him on the National Registry. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, we'll move along here to, as we always do, we'll do plugs or any other things that we have to mention. Um, oh, yeah. I mentioned that I had some, some feedback. But actually, if you have a plug... Uh, go for it because I need to look that up first. The, the feedback. Uh, only real plug is uh, kind of a throwback to this time last year when we did our uh, we did a review of a, the pilot of Glow, the Netflix series. Uh-huh. I've actually finally gotten farther and pretty deep into the actual series, and God, it's good. How, how far into it are you? Uh, about to finish the first season. Um, so yeah, really good. Mark Maron's fantastic in it, and I, I'm still working through the third season of Love, which I absolutely adore. That show. It keeps showing up on my. Uh... So good. Have you you didn't watch any of it? Have you? I I watched a couple more episodes. I think I made it to like episode four of the first season. Oh, the first season. Oh wait, no, not love. I, I was talking about glow. Glow. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, love. I'm still. It's on hold. It's on the queue. Mm-hmm. I like uh, Britta from Community. Oh yeah, she's excellent in it. Um, and then my annual tradition. I finally got to season eight of The Office because The Office is what I fall asleep to every night. And finally got to season eight, and it literally I get to the same episode every time and just reset it which one is it the one that starts with kevin talking like skipping words <laughs> it's just like okay this and uh our buddy eddie has been in touch with me because he started he's oh yeah it, and he agreed like the middle seasons stanley creed and kevin before they like made their characters caricatures of themselves god they were fucking perfect did you finish i'm guessing you haven't finished breaking bad yet no, that got a hard pause there for a little while, but I need to get back on that. I think I'm in the episode three of the fifth season, so just a little bit left. Uh-huh. Yeah, but no, my brain's fried after New Orleans, so I'm just trying to just <laughs> ease back into things. Okay, Julio. so so I have I have some uh, some catch and release feedback from listener Mandy Taylor. Excellent. Uh, which because she said that she had thoughts and i was like please <laughs> share well i told her and she actually sent me this before listening to the episode this was just what's her I name announced. mandy taylor is this is a friend she's, of yours yes okay she said well she started off the wrong foot because she said that she she fell hard for sam jager since she saw it for the first time mm-hmm. and to us obviously sam jager was like the least remarkable thing in that movie was that not scott speedman <laughs> not scott oh, speedman okay. so so well I guess that sets you off that we're not going to see eye to eye <laughs> when it comes to this movie. Yeah, but actually, she, I think she likes start. it. She likes it about as much as we do. But she had some very specific thoughts. Uh, she said, uh, "My primary objection is to all the women who are not gray. That's a Jennifer Garner character mm-hmm. as a sweeping generalization. Mostly Maureen, the the Juliette Lewis character says she's a culmination of so many stereotypes that she's nearly a caricature." The only humanity sympathy she manages is through Sam, the Kevin Smith character, and barely. Uh, she says, the woman Fritz has bathroom sex with. She's just another weird idiot. Grady's mom is horrible, but at least manages to come around by the end. It's disappointing to see such cartoonish portrayals from a female writer and director. Which, I guess, is a fair point. I mean, in I don't think it bothered us that much, but we did bring it up. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the mom, the grieving mom is the villain. Yeah. In, uh yeah, I what I said, my retort, and I, I it's something that I brought up when we did the episode was that Juliette Lewis playing that character gives it more depth than it had on the page. I mm-hmm. think that if it wasn't Juliette Lewis, then it would be just completely a complete waste. Yeah. But because it's Juliette Lewis, you have you have a connection with her no matter what. Mallory Knox. Mallory Knox. It's, it's Mallory. How can you not care? It's an interesting take on it, though. Yeah, and it's then she a good movie. <laughs> she said that. Uh, 
she she felt that there was some chemistry lacking between Gray and Fritz. That's Timothy Olyphantastic. Uh, and she... <laughs> no one lacks chemistry with Timothy Olyphant. She doesn't like the scene that I like and you don't. The the Harvey Dent turn from uh, Timothy Olyphant at the, at the storage unit. Oh God, yeah. No. I like it, but she's like that shouldn't pack, that that didn't work, and that's that's the one that should pack the most, the biggest punch. Uh, and then she said, "Some dialogue is so contrived and clunky, I can't believe it was delivered." The voiceover thoughts to Grady can be effective, but by the end, I don't believe what she's saying. Mm-hmm. You like the voiceover? Mm-hmm. You were like, "I love Jennifer Garner when she does when she does voiceover." Yeah, uh, and- I can see your point, but yeah. I- Work for me. Yeah, and then she said, lastly, I wanted the whole story set up to work where one of the main characters is totally absent. But by the end, I don't have a sense of who Grady was other than complicated. The voiceover suggests Grady only knew him, Gray only knew him when he was gone. I don't believe she has a clue. That's that's another fair point. That's very fair. Yeah. But then she goes on and says that, you know, this is the third time that she's watched it. Oh, so wow. So she's, she's under its spell. Grizzled vet, yeah. <laughs> she's seen it more times than I have. Which is what, two? Two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trailing behind here. I need to catch up. <laughs> yeah, I need to, two more watches. Alternate with Man on the Moon and uh, episodes of Breaking Bad. There you go. Uh, and then I don't really have them like right here in front of me, but the Tank Girl response was like from too many people. Like I did not expect so many people to say like, "Well, that's a fun movie." And I was like, "No, it wasn't." I no. I was excruciating to sit through. But yeah. uh, guy that did our logo, Hans. He was like, "That's a fun movie." I, I understand it's not for everybody, but it's fun. I want to say no Who's it for. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, uh, Billy from uh, uh, We Watch a Thing, uh, the Australian podcast, he was also like, oh, yeah, Tank Girl, that was great. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. I was like, ah. You might not like her, what we have to say. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that was not good. That um, was one of those uh, – this two hours, I mean, the, there were some parts I would have cut down, but this two hours flew by. Tank Girl was like, what, like – it, it felt like a hundred minutes, and it felt like Gone with the Wind. Yes, we had the without intermission. intermission. <laughs> that was a rough one, but I mean that's fine. You can like the movies you you want. That's great. That's the whole point of this thing we do. Um, now, as far as plugs, I I've been watching a lot of movies lately that normally I wouldn't watch. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of weird that you're the wrestling fan, but I'm the one that's watched uh, the latest Rock movie and the latest John Cena movie. Oh, yeah. So I, I didn't just watch Rampage earlier today. Uh, last week I watched Blockers. I heard it was pretty good. It's definitely better than I expected. I just I watch A Quiet Place, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then I just needed something to just detox after that. Palette cleanser. Exactly. It was like a dumb, raunchy comedy mm-hmm. with... Uh, your favorite Leslie man. All right. John Cena, Ike Barinholtz. I do like Ike, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically, it's a little bit like, to me, it felt a little bit like American Pie for this generation. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the trailer, but it's... Yeah, it seems uh, pretty like sophomore, raunchy humor. It's Yeah, it has a lot more heart than that. But I guess the the flip side a lot is A more hot, that, heart than American Pie? You'd be surprised. Because, I don't know. Jason Biggs. Well, so it doesn't have Eugene Levy, mm-hmm. uh, but it has – so it's three girls now, and three girls are determined to get laid on prom night. And okay. then the parents, which are John Cena, Ike Barinholtz, and Leslie Mann, find out, and then they're going to cock block them. So they're mm-hmm. trying to stop it from happening. And uh, But what makes it – to me, I, I think what made it stand out at the end is that the movie comes to this – through the parents, it comes to this realization that, so what if they get laid? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like – 
it's just sex, and at least one of them is going to have sex. The one that ends up having sex, spoiler alert, <laughs> is, you know, she's she's having it with uh, with somebody that she actually cares for, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was kind of refreshing because your traditional movie would just demonize yeah. sex with anybody that you're not engaged to be married. Or, or something. it would have uh, Dan Fogel going, sex! Exactly, yeah. And this was just like a very casual... I mean, they have conversations about how sex is a big deal, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's not like, wow, you stupid whore, why are you having yeah, yeah, sex yeah. on prom night? You know, it's just like, this is the world we live in now, and parents need to catch up, sort of. Thing. Nice. And John Cena is just hilarious. Good. Uh, it wasn't just... Did you ever watch Trainwreck? No. I mean, he has just a couple scenes in Trainwreck, and he's pretty funny. And here, he has... A much bigger role and he's funny again so yeah i think that that's he's just proven his comedic chops i'm glad to hear it john's on a rough streak right now losing his fiance so well you know he has all that all, blockers money all the peace and love uh yeah he was a lot smarter this time around his first wife cleaned him out uh <laughs> they had this reality show uh, about him and his wife uh and the one where they moved in together, he was like waiting at the door with like a seventy-five page uh, legal document she had to sign before she could move in. So he'll be all right. He'll have that blocker's money. That's out of a romantic comedy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I also watched Ray Player One. I would say too long. It would just kill you. You would die of old age watching Ray Player One. Is that the the Spielberg, Spielberg movie? Yeah, overly pandering. I think it would be. It wouldn't be as disappointing if it was a different director. But I just. It's one of those movies that's like it's okay, but since the Spielberg, it's right. It's sucks. like yeah. really why, yeah. you know. Uh, and then I also watched Isle of Dogs from our beloved Wes Anderson. His return to the animated uh, medium. It, it was it was a weird experience. Medium. I loved it for two thirds of it. Then it gets to the third act, and it just completely lost me. Mm-hmm. So I have to reluctantly say that Fantastic Mr. Fox is better, hey. even though the first two thirds are the best Wes Anderson stuff i've ever seen wow i loved it so much i connected to it in a way that i haven't connected to anything else and then it just goes in a direction that i didn't care for and so you know how i am i love my criterions as we've already talked about on this i was at goodwill and they had the criterion for royal tenenbaums for three bucks (laughs) and i was just like "Mm." you looked around to see if anybody was watching yeah and it was one of those i picked it up put it down picked it up and then just thought better of it and put it down and left. Damn you to hell, Alex. Couldn't, couldn't do it, homie. It's one of his better movies. I already have two of his movies in my Criterion collection. But they're not the Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> Touche. God, I don't like that movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought that you just, I mean, I didn't think that you were a fan, but I didn't realize that you don't like it. No. Yeah. I like Gene Hackman in it. I mean, and the stories of how mean he was to Wes Anderson are also awesome. Here nor there. We're moving on up. New logo, new specs, all that good stuff. Same old assholes here. I mean, yeah, everything will change, but we can't. We're too old to change. <laughs> we're too old for that shit. I'll get a haircut every now and then. Uh, but the, the the temperature's rising, and uh, the summer of Travolta is upon it's us. It's upon us. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, some real talk within real talk. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> this is the most we've hyped anything. And it's also the biggest commitment we've made to anything. That, too. I'm trying not to think about it, but it's just, like, the pace at which we're going to crank out these episodes. And the amount of Travolta that we're going to be ingesting. Right. Can you OD on Travolta? We're we're going to find out. We're going to test it. (laughs) Yes. But for now, uh, we appreciate, as always, you guys listening. Um, If you're listening on iTunes, if you could, leave us a five-star rating, a review, uh, subscribe. It really helps the algorithm and get our uh, podcast out there more. SoundCloud, same thing, um, or just on Twitter, RT, 
like it, do the thing. Tell, tell your buddies. Yeah. Um, if you like our intro and outro music, that's from... The Festive Years. The Festive Years. I can't believe I had to look at you. To like, <laughs> uh, the Festive Years from their album. Don't Let Me Use You. See, I have my phone turned off, so I can't read it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're They're always they're gracious great. enough to provide us with their music. Yeah, and like I said, if you like our logo... Uh, that's from Hans Roth Geyser. I don't know that he'll design your logo, but yeah. you know, listen to his podcast, Nacion Combi. If you, if you speak Spanish or if you need to practice your Spanish, you want to catch up Peruvian uh, current events. <laughs> it's a lot going on there, right? I mean, you think we, I mean, if I had to weigh in, you know, what's worse, are uh, living under Trump as a president or living under whatever the fuck's going on in Peru? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like <laughs> it changes from day to day. Jury's still out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for today, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. And we will see you next time for the beginning of the summer of Travolta. It will be... Oh my god. <laughs> Smoldering experience. The summer of 1999 Hey guys, do you have a screenplay you need feedback on? Well, you are in luck. I, Julio, the half of the contrarians that speaks with an accent, am doing official screenplay coverage now. And if you're a listener of the show, you'll get a discount. Just email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com and tell us which is your favorite episode of the podcast and why. Turnaround is about two weeks and you'll get detailed notes that are even more thorough than what we do in the show. Although it'll also be less funny. For more information, email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com or visit our website, wearethecontrarians.com, and click on the Julio Reads Your Scripts link. Your voice is beautiful.